You're listening to the Tongue in Cheek Podcast. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby. And we're two girls having casual conversations. Hey guys, welcome back. Today we have an exciting and very special episode featuring two guests. One of them you've actually met before, Emma's boyfriend, John. Thank you for having me back on Tongue in Cheek, Emma and Gabby. I'm happy to be back. Our guest is, he goes by the name of James Dowling. He goes by that name because that's the name that was given to him. And he is both a good friend of mine and a business partner over at Logos Productions, which is uh, my company. And he does a great job helping me run that. But in addition, he has kind of a, maybe a secret life, maybe not too secret because he does have a whole YouTube channel dedicated to it, where he is a depth psychologist. And the way I pitched this to Emma and Gabby is he does a lot of dream analysis, but really it's so much more than that. And James is going to tell everyone a whole bunch about that. Um, but, you know, full disclosure, uh, I've gone through some of the therapy work with James. I've begun even doing some of uh, some classes with him and his mentors to begin learning more about this. And it's called the IPSA, the Institute for Psychosystems Analysis. And it's this new upstart, I guess, half academic, half clinical institution that they're trying to bring all over the world. And they're trying to analyze everyone's dreams and make everyone happy. So if you like what you hear on the show here today, obviously give us a follow over at Tongue in Cheek, but go check out James on YouTube. Uh, You can find his channel named Young to Live By, which is J-U-N-G as in Carl Jung, Jung to Live By, J-U-N-G to Live By. So with all that out of the way, welcome to my girlfriend and her cousin's show, James. Thanks for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure, John. It's not as if I talk to you enough. So I can never have enough Jonathan in my day. And indeed, of course, t- tongue in cheek as well. So uh, thank you. It's a real welcome. pleasure to be here. Welcome. <laughs> thank you for being here with us today. No, my pleasure. Let's get going. Okay. So maybe if you just want to like explain a little bit about what dream therapy is for the- you're not going to romance me a little first or is it just going to straight in and sort of shake him out for answers you're not going to sort of set, set the scene get the yeah, candle out relax the point here. <laughs> I thought this is a podcast where you open up glasses of champagne and everything and you, you drink them together on air and things like well, that well here it's like 1pm so right, okay. we kind of like to wait till like 4 o'clock we just had a coffee alright well then James why don't you talk a little bit about what you're doing at Jung to Live By and what the like the 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 basic like 30 second to two minute pitch is on depth psychology and psychosystems and then let's loop that into dreams yeah sure okay so um a basic pitch would be human beings have always wondered how they work and how the universe works um but then we realized that philosophy and stuff like that which was used to explain those certain things can only go so far it's really kind of up in the head so we developed psychology about 150 years ago with people like Sigmund Freud and Breuer and all other types of characters. And so the, the tradition sort of evolved from those people. We went from Freud to Adler to Jung, and the tradition carried on and on and on until we, you know, in order to figure out how a human being works for health and well-being and happiness and homeostasis with themselves and their environment and their social relationships, we've got to have the most up-to-date theory possible. And so that's what psychosystems analysis does. It's um, described before as a theory of excellent, theory of everything par excellence, for human biology and psychology. So it's taking primarily the psychology of Carl Jung, who's famous, of course, for his theory of archetypes and the collective unconscious, myths and dreams and all those kind of things, and combines it with biology. So, for example, a patient 
would come into a practice, for example, or would talk to me over a, over a Skype session, or indeed, hopefully, we will, we will open these practices up properly. Or if someone comes to watch a video and they want to figure out what the hell's up with them, they'd present with a symptom, something they want to get rid of, and they'd process it through a biopsychosocial model, primarily. So they'd be like, oh, okay, I'm anxious. Why? We've got to look at it biologically, psychologically, and socially. Just because you exist on all of those different layers simultaneously. So that's the general idea to try and get the most concrete model possible to take people from sad and unhappy to not sad and happy. That's the general pitch anyway. So what is your, okay, like I took psychology, like one class back in the day and they briefly talked about dreams. So like, what is your theory of dreams? Because from when I learned it, they were talking about Jung, but there's also Freud's ideas. Do you think it's like a mix of reality with subconscious or what do you think? Yeah, obviously Freud's interpretation of dreams is a very famous text, but Freud was limited by his own culture and by himself. And he was a great man. It really, really was. But Jung came along and expanded them further. Um, generally, what dreams do is they help you with what's called individuation which is a term that was coined by Jung. And basically what it means is there's a you and the you wants to manifest, right? So you have a genome, all of your DNA, and it wants to come out of you one way or another, and it will over the course of your lifespan. And many things can happen over the course of your lifespan at the biological, psychological, or social layers that knock you off your path, that knock you off of your personal myth, if you like, becoming who you are. And so what dreams do every single night is they show you in symbolic form, which is the best way it possibly can. These symbols are like these very high bandwidth images that are meant to contain a lot of coded information. Although all dreams are is showing you symbols and narratives so that you can pay attention to them to get back onto who you're meant to be. So people like to think that they're sort of random things or random processing of the brain. Absolutely not true. It simply is nudging you back on the track so you can become who you are, which is that individuation idea. I love so that. I love that because I, I feel like I don't believe that, like, I don't really think much of anything is random. Like, I don't think dreams are random. Like, I think they definitely have to have meaning because some, like, yeah. I don't know, some people have, like, really crazy dreams. But do you think your dreams are kind of your subconscious of, like, what you know you should be doing, but maybe in reality you don't think this is what I should be doing, but your subconscious is almost teaching you in your dream this, like, or things you're, like, not path. admitting to or something? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, imagine if you, you, you walk into a room and there's like a candle, a scented candle and uh, you smell it and you're like, oh, wow, that's really, really nice. But then after a while, you stop being able to smell it again. You just sort of get used to it. Then you leave the room, you go to the bathroom or whatever, and then you come back in the room again. Suddenly you can smell the candle again. But the candle was always present and the scent was always present. It just becomes unconscious after a while. So right. it's the same thing with us in sort of daily life. We, we are the totality of everything that we do. We just aren't aware of most of it. Most of the things which you perceive through your senses, for example, go underneath the threshold of, of consciousness. And you're pulled about by the whims and, and, and the winds of everything that you're doing in your day-to-day -day life that you don't really have time, usually in the modern world anyway, to sit back and go, hang on, what is it I'm actually trying to accomplish here? You know, am I trying to do this particular task because I want to? Or is it because someone else suggested I should? Or is it because I'm trying to prove myself to somebody? That's all dreams are meant to do, is to say, hey, you've, you've missed this, you've missed this. So it, the unconscious, of course, is just things we're unconscious of. They're still here. So the unconscious just gives you a dream and goes, here you go, this is, this is what you're missing. This is the most pertinent thing currently for this particular moment you are missing. And if you listen to me, and you don't have to take account of dreams, by the way, because the psyche is alive and it's unto itself. So it can present you with stuff. And if you just take it point blank, you just sort of sacrifice who you are and just go with the unconscious and what it wants, you can fight back a bit, which is a really healthy thing to do and go, I see what you're trying to do with that dream. 
I'm going to implement it slowly, and I don't agree with you here, for example. But that's just what it's doing. It's just trying to nudge you back on track again. If I could, so an example of that that we actually went over in our um, sessions a few months ago, actually, we weren't doing proper sessions yet, but um, I, I've had a recurring dream of any time that I uh, feel like I'm stuck in a certain situation and that the, the externals of it can, can differ, but I always have dreams of being chased by groups of young men who are trying to murder me. And so my friend has the yeah, exact same, same dream. dream he was telling time. us that yesterday. Yeah. Cool. And so like in, in my case, maybe it's different for Niasha, but in my case, um, I typically get dreams like that when it's my psyche trying to tell me, Hey, you're unhappy in this situation. You should leave. You should confront it. And it, what James is saying here is like, well, yeah, you can either do that head on and be like, fuck it, I'm dropping out everything, I'm running away from home, I'm going to sleep in my car. And it's like, well, yeah, that would maybe make your psyche happy, but then you're going to have a whole set of other problems. So it's like, okay, maybe just slowly move in that direction. Is that, is that more what you're saying, James? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Because um, obviously dreams, uh, dreams get complicated because oftentimes they are, um, they're created by your own personal complexes. But even controlling for that, the psyche just wants its own potential to come out, whatever's in your genome. So it doesn't, it doesn't really care that it might be inconvenient for you financially to drop out of college. It will just tell you to do that if you read into it. But of course, go at your own pace. That's the whole point of the ego or, 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 or the, the ego, that psychic structure that we identify as us, the one who's listening to this podcast or talking in this podcast. That's its role is the executive decision maker. So as long as you listen to the psyche and you respect it and you go, yeah, that's, that's great and actually have a dialectic with it, then you're on the right track. But yeah, you don't have to drop out of everything and kill everybody, John. That would be um, probably drop you into worse pits, I think. <laughs> too late, I guess. Go <laughs> run and be one with the wolves. Oh, so yes. I guess like when you dream of what you guys are saying, like if you have reoccurring dreams, then that's technically your subconscious telling you like you do need to change this or maybe it's just on your mind and... So, like, what do you think about reoccurring dreams? Like, should you listen to them? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I had recurring dreams. I, mean, I made this public on the YouTube channel. I had recurring dreams for... Well, I, I started recording my dreams in October of 2018. And I kept having these dreams up until a couple months ago. And it was dreams of generally my body being cut into pieces. Some of them not very pleasant at all. Most of the time, it was my head. And the, the, most of the time, the symbol used for this was Anne Boleyn, the Henry VIII's second wife, who is famous in England anyway for having her head cut off. She sort of remembered from history as, as a martyr in a way by this evil tyrant king. And so the psyche kept showing me me having my limbs cut off and other people having their limbs cut off and a woman who had her head cut off because that's what I needed to have happen. I needed to cut something off over and over and over again. So it was basically saying, listen, dude, like this has to happen and I'm going to keep showing it to you and I'm going to keep making it more and more shocking until you pay attention. So a, a recurring dream is basically, this is a problem you need to solve before you can do any other kind of psychic work, really. Because any, any kind of self-development work, you're going to encounter something, in my instance anyway, that needs to be cut off. So right. yeah, I, I would, I would um, pay attention to those if possible. And, and what did that look like for you? What did you have to cut off? Yeah, I was going to say, like, was it like relationships with people, like toxic people in your life or toxic parts about yourself? Well, it was, it was a multi-layered symbol. In terms of cut off, there were some parental introjects in there. So, um, for example, trying to prove myself to the image of the father, not necessarily my real father, uh, but I, I, I was prone to what's called father transferences, which is basically you find other men who you find admirable and you become obsessed with them and you try and copy them. I needed to cut that off. 
Um, but within the symbol of having my head cut off as well, it was, it was very deep, really, really deep. It went down to what's called the collective unconscious in Jungian psychology, which means that you know, we, all, we all inherit a biology. We all inherit hands and eyes and feet, but we also inherit bits of the psyche as well, which is where myths come from. It's why different, different um, countries and different cultures can all produce similar symbols and similar ideas. So there was actually, there is a, a, an old story you might have heard of called Gawain and the Green Knight which was the most famous one is from, I believe, the 1400s. And it's about a knight who has to go on a... Basically, he goes in and he challenges this big green knight to a, to a beheading game. Well, the green knight challenges him to, to have his head cut off. The green knight says, I'm going to cut your head off if you cut my head off. And Gawain, the knight, goes, yeah, sure, okay. Um, so he cuts the, cuts the green knight's head off. And the green knight picks up his head and goes, screw you, I'm going off now for, for a year. I'm going to come find you in a year. And Gawain goes, oh dear, that didn't go the way that I expected. The story goes on and on and on, but ultimately he needs to accept that he's an imperfect man in order to avoid being decapitated. So that, that's just the, the general pitch there. It's an old story that goes way back into the Celtic times. And I had a dream of John Cleese, the old Monty Python guy, dressed as a knight, having his head cut off. And without having read the story of Gawain and the Green Knight, I was getting the same story of Gawain and the Green Knight in my own dream, just in a slightly different form. And I showed it to Steve, my mentor, my, my partner in psychosystems analysis. He told me to read Gawain in the Green Knight, and immediately I knew what I had to do. I had to accept I was an imperfect man. And when I did that, everything started changing, for example. And so that was another thing that had to sort of be cut off. There were, there were, there were personal things built within that, but the, just to illustrate with that, dreams can be personal or they can go way down deep because we, we inherit these collective motifs so actually, I was dreaming of a Celtic beheading game motif without actually ever experiencing it myself, which could be something cool to consider when you go in to read your own dreams, I guess. Wow. Yeah. So cool. So, okay. So there's like re reoccurring dreams. And then say if like, if you dream of someone, does that mean that like the dream is about them or they're just like, cause you know how like you can dream of someone and they don't look like them, but you know that they're like, say if it's like, I'm dreaming of John, this person is the relationship of John to me, but it doesn't look like John or it's not John, but I know it's John. <laughs> it can be, it can be about John, the man, or it could be about your animus, for example, which is one of the archetypes of the collective unconscious. It's your, it's your relating factor. Basically, there are certain things within your own psyche that would take on male form, being a, being a female. Yeah. So it could be John, it could be a symbol for the animus, or it could be a symbol for other things that John is best suited to represent. So for example, the future, or for example, becoming whole in yourself, because obviously man and woman over the course of the lifespan, controlling for, you know, statistically speaking, this is the normative way that things, things go. Um, a man and a woman will come together and if it's a healthy relationship will help make each other whole they remain separate people but you know you learn from from each other and you grow so it could be a symbol for that it could be a general individuation symbol it, it like, of different things. so like if i'm dreaming of gabby then that's like obviously like a different meaning or a different relationship yeah i mean you two are obviously very close and have known each other for a long time so it could be a more sisterly motif for example it, it could be it could be a more familial motif um, they, there's loads of things it could be, but with, with a dream, when you go in to interpret it, you can't, this is why dream books or one of the reasons why dream books don't work is you can't just take one piece out of the dream and go, Hey, I, I dreamt of John, for example, because yeah. then you're more likely to get your, your own ego, meaning that technically. So the, yourself getting in the way of the interpretation. If you say it was, Oh, it was John, but he was in a boat and the boat was by an Island. 
and the island was there was a setting sun, then everything sort of comes together and you're more likely through a process of deduction, a process of elimination, figure out what the dream might actually mean. Because it could be John in your dream, but maybe it's just like metaphorically meaning what he's doing instead of actually him being in the dream. Does that make sense? Yes. Or if, I was, or if Emma was to dream about me, maybe it's not about me personally, but the role that I play in, in your dream. Because if uh, we have like yes. a sisterly bond, maybe yeah. it's more about me being like a sisterly figure to you rather yeah. than me because that's interesting because i've had dreams where lots of people in my dream but it's very like selective random people my, like i've had a dream where it was like my grandfather and then our grandfather both like deceased and then john's dad who's deceased i would see that as like there's something that like the three of them share there's like a connection uh yeah so it, it, there's lots of things that could potentially mean with john in particular it's either more than likely it's going to be John or it's going to be your own creative life force. Just you, you have to trust me on the symbolism of that because it would be an animus symbol. But, okay. but with say for example, three old dead men, it's mm, lots of things in there. It could be general logos, for example. So it could be your own self-assertion because generally that's associated by psyche, psychic symbolism as masculine, for example, it could be something to do with your own father. And it's a boomerang projection onto them to avoid you looking at your own father, you know, to sort of sort of dilute the, the picture. There's loads of things. And then you'd have to probably take something like that in terms of a dream series and say, what yeah. are the general themes like, that want to pop up? Like what happens and it occurs, yeah. One, so James is using the word animus a lot and he's using that in relation to the two of you um, because typically, well, not... not Typically, uh, from what I understand, women have an animus. <laughs> women have this, men have it. Women yeah. have an animus, men have yeah. an anima. And um, there are a few other differences between the two. Um, no, but so I would have something called an anima. And James used the word relating function for that. And okay. so in dreams, typically the idea is if I have a dream of a beautiful woman, whether I know her or not, and it could be you, Emma, or it could be someone I've never met or it could be, you know, a girl that I knew in high school or, or anything, right? But the, the idea is usually, like, in terms of evolution, roughly speaking, for, for straight people, it's like men can't attract a mate, which is, in terms of our bodies, just our DNA. Our DNA thinks that's the, the big thing in life. That's the whole thing, is to find a mate and reproduce. So our body wants to do that. And you can't attract a mate if you can't relate to her. So if I, if I just objectified you or thought you were just some sex object, you probably wouldn't want to be with me, right? Because I'm not relating to you. I'm not talking to you like a person. I'm not understanding you. I'm not empathizing with you. So the idea is that there's a part of our psyche that wants us to learn how to relate to other people, how to relate to women, how to relate to men, children, adults. But in, in men, in dreams, oftentimes it appears as a woman because that's like target number one for your balls. That's, that's the goal is like, learn how to relate to a woman. Here's one in your dream. Have fun practicing. Go. But it doesn't always necessarily when you wake up from that dream mean anything inherently sexual or about a specific woman. Right, James? Is that it? Yes, that's absolutely spot on. So you'd have, um, that's, you've got the anima and you've got the, the animus and you're exactly right. So the, an, the animus would be the, the um, it, they're so different though. This is the thing. And it's, 
when you, you look at archetypes of the collective unconscious, people talk about Carl Jung, you come across the shadow, you come across the anima, the animus and the self. The anima and the animus are so incredibly different. So yeah, you're, you're likely to dream about a sexy woman, John, but it's probably less, the, the, what that means to you is less likely than a, less likely to mean the same as when a girl dreams of a really sexy man for a variety of different reasons. But yeah, it's all about how you relate to yourself and relate to other people. So if you dream about John and he doesn't represent John, he represents the animus, then he's going to be representing optimal, optimal relating to others and to yourself. And if you can relate to yourself, well, then you're happy. That's almost like, that's almost the definition of being happy because then you're, you're in a good relationship with your own psyche. There's a dialectic there. You're on the right path. You're not doing things and pulled by society. You're not being pulled by expectations or anything like that. You're where you need to be. Well, since we're on the topic of like dreaming of other people, because I feel like I have dreams about my boyfriend cheating on me. Okay, but yeah, I want to get into like common dreams because I feel like a yeah. lot of people have cheating dreams. I don't know if that's yep. just, I just know a lot of people who have cheating dreams. Like, I've never cheated on my boyfriend. He's never cheated on me. We're in a really good relationship. So it's nothing about, like, I don't think it's an insecurity. Like, I've been cheated on in the past. So maybe it's, like, a fear that's coming up in my dreams. But, yeah, is there, like, a general, like, answer for people who have cheating dreams? So is this somebody cheating on you or you cheating on them? Sorry. Them cheating on me. I've been in both situations in my dream. Really? Yeah. The cheating dreams I have, I'm always cheated on, and I, like, walk in on it. Brutal. Yeah. Scandal. Yeah. It's like a drama. <laughs> well, obviously, cheating is not uh, a... <laughs> cheating is never something which leaves either party happy. So it's obviously not a particularly happy motif. The, yeah. It would depend on whether or not you've had experience with that in the past, first of all. And it could also be a case of it being a level... So... There are things it could mean, and you'd have to look at your own personal experience first because it's such a shocking image. But, it, you know, it's common in society, but the, the dream will use that because it's a shocking thing. You know, being cheated on, for example, it's like that's not a pleasant thing to, to dream about. So it, the psyche could be giving you that particular image in order to bypass your normal conscious attitude. And by that, I mean most of the time you dream and you wake up and go, I can't remember, or what was the point of that? And you just shrug it off. If the psyche thinks it wants to give you a proper message and it wants you to pay attention, it will deliberately give you a shocking thing to get you to go, oh, I've got to tell people about this dream. Help me, help me, help me. It's called a trickster to, to deliberately do that. I can't give a general one pass on cheating specifically because of the, of the shocking nature of it. So you'd have to, we can go into yours if you wanted to, any personal experiences with that or you've, you've helped other people with. Um, apart from that, I can't, I wouldn't be able to do it in good faith, I'm afraid. It's so specific yeah. to the person's like life I guess yeah I yeah. mean like I've never walked in on anything but I have been cheated on in the past so there's like nothing deep about it like I don't think about being cheated on in my current relationship it's just something that I dream about and like you said I wake like most of the time I do dream and then I wake up and I forget what I dreamt about but with the cheating dreams I do wake up and I'm like oh my god like almost a little shook and mad yes. <laughs> I know it takes me a little bit to get over it but like like you said, if it's meant to just kind of like wake me up and be like, pay attention to this, like, is it saying pay attention to something else that's unrelated to that? Or like, is it just there for the shock factor? Or it has to be something relationship related. Yeah. Uh, well, it could be relationship related or it could be. So with, with dreams, what you generally do is, you know, you dream of the sun, for example, you're like, ah, that's cool. Why would it be showing me the sun? And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, what does that mean? Well, you do something called association. 
to it. And you're like, well, what's, what's the sun associated with? Well, like life force, or it could even be linguistic association. These are some of my favorites. Instead of the sun, it could be a sun. So like a child, a baby, for example. So you'd have to take out what cheating could be. It could be cheating the word linguistically, or it could be you losing something or you stealing something or something being stolen from you. So in this particular case, if you're being cheated on, it's like, is your life force being drained by somebody in real life? For example, as just a first pass to throw out there or by something else that you shouldn't have. Because if, if, if you're being cheated on, then for, for you two, then your man within the dream, if it's used as this animus symbol, then that's, that's, you need to be aligned with that. And if the energy that is associated with that symbol is ducting off somewhere else, it means that you're not aligned with your own creative life force. You're not aligned in terms of your relating to other people. You're not aligned in terms of relating to yourself. So it could be purely an animus dream, a relating-based dream, or an individuation becoming whole sort of standard dream. But it's showing you shocking imagery because you've not really been on the path for a while. You might have been extra stressed for a while, for example. So, and, and if, you, if you've woken up and gone, ah, that's really scary, you've done exactly what the psyche wants. So well done. That's, that's what it would have expected of you. I think I really need to start like writing down my dreams because I think it would be good to pay attention to like, hey, when's the time the that I'm like stressed in my life and what am I dreaming mm-hmm. about when I'm stressed? Because yeah. then I'd be able to know. Because I just have like, sometimes I'll go for a really long time and just like not remember my dreams or like it'll be normal. And then mm-hmm. I'll like have some really trippy dreams or something. Well, for the longest time, I used to dream where I wouldn't actually see anything, see anything, but I would know what's going on. Like I I wouldn't be in my body seeing myself walking down a sidewalk, but I would just know in my mind and I would see darkness, but I would know in my mind that I'm walking down a sidewalk, if that makes sense. Well, what are you not seeing in your everyday life? Good question. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that, but I'm sure there's something. But it seems so simple once you say it. It's like, oh, I know. Yeah, true. I know. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, and this is how, you know, you can fall into like fortune telling and tarot cards and all other kinds of things, which act as like projection taking devices. I could just throw out any kind of rhetorical thing related to the language and you could be like, oh, wow, that's absolutely great. But uh, this is why I'd have to know the person in depth properly um but also so, you know it's, with that though if you're blind within a dream then chances are you are blind to something and if depending on what you feel and sense within the dream that's probably the relation in which you're or the area in which you are blind to i would guess first of all because i've i've not encountered i've never had dreams like that to be honest personally but i have had issues with my sight and i have had issues and dreams suggesting there's things wrong with my sight so when my sight was all dissociated back in 2019 there was a huge symbolic riddle thrown up by my dreams, by my interests, by everything to try and get my sight back again. And it's, it's potentially, it could be a similar thing with yourself. But if you're, not, if you're not suffering with anything immensely and you're generally mentally healthy, I wouldn't worry about any of this stuff. It's, you know, if you want to write down your dreams and engage with the psyche, the psyche would definitely like that and it would respect you back for doing that and you'd probably be a happier person for doing that. But in general, there's nothing to worry about because the psyche is just, as I said, it's unto itself. It just wants what it wants. It will just try and come out of you. But, you know, if, if you want to try and remember your dreams, I'd advise um, getting a notebook, put it beside your bed every single morning, make it so that it's like the perfect, you know, when people, they don't write on a book that's like straight out in front of them, they have it turned a little bit, have yeah. it like the perfect, the perfect turn angle, have a pen that's already got the nib out, leave it there. And the second you wake up, just brain dump everything down. And you'll be able to remember way, way, way more dreams by doing that as well. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good idea. Dream therapy can be for anyone, I guess. Would you say it's for people who are like, it's really useful or can be useful for people who do go through like addiction or like actual um, like issues in their daily life? Can your dreams be used to solve your 
real situations or problems. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they certainly can. They're a brilliant tool and an excellent friend for you and your path through, through life. I mean, if you think about what self-development is, right, real self-development, it's, it's not the standard guru stuff which you see, which makes you feel fluffy or makes you feel manly if you're a man or anything like that. Real self-development is becoming who you are so that you're aligned and mentally healthy. That's the individuation idea. And that's the purpose of dreams. So someone could come in and they're not very happy to a therapy setting and you can use dreams as a glimpse in because dreams is the psyche saying, this is specifically what you should look at. You know? right. And sometimes if you're in a therapeutic relationship, the dreams that will come up will deliberately try and misguide the therapist because whatever's behind the dream for example, the um, a complex, for example, will, will want to stay alive and won't want the therapist to help them, for example. But right. So if, it, if it's a clinical therapeutic tool, it's the same thing that you apply to yourself anyway, because the outcome is, you know, you become happier and healthier and you become yourself. Just within a clinical setting, it becomes more urgent. That's when people generally are like, okay, I've definitely come off the path. Sometimes it's my fault. Sometimes it's not my fault. But as a self-development exercise, absolutely. If you can learn how to read dreams properly, and I'll be happy to, to, to teach you both how to do that, then definitely you're, you're, you'll be on the path for sure. Okay. So I want to, before we get into like more personal, like anecdotes, maybe we can just like either like demyth or just talk about like common things. So we talked about like reoccurring dreams or like cheating dreams are common for a lot of people, but what about falling dreams? Do those mean anything? Falling dreams. Yeah, there are, there are a few I standard know it's normal, Like if you're just starting to like drift off, then you can kind of like That's fall. What happens to me. But like yeah. I, I catch myself. And then people myself. always try to say shit like, oh, if you don't wake up when you fall, then like you're going to die. Well, yeah, that's clearly nonsense. That's, that's, <laughs> that's just absolute silliness. Now, if, if you're, I mean, if it's when you're just drifting off to sleep, all you're getting there more than likely is just a mirror of what you're doing. So I've, I've shown John some self-hypnosis exercises for before. And John, you might have noticed that it's different for everybody. But as you first go into the trance, you get like, like the muscles around your eyes will start to, to twitch. There's an official name for it, and I can't remember. They start to twitch for no real seemingly good biological reason. But for your like, phenomenological experience of the moment, it looks like you're falling down a rabbit hole. So it's as if, like Alice in Wonderland, down the rabbit yeah. hole you go. So it's probably the same thing. You're just going down into the unconscious. That's all the underworld means in myths as well. It's like you go into the underworld, right. you go into hell, it's just in, down, down you go, you know? Right. So I actually, like, I do this a lot in my sleep, lucid dreaming. So I can like, wake myself up in my dream or, like, if something bad is happening. Because I used to have really like, scary dreams when I was a kid. Like, I, I would have, like, a reoccurring dream and it, like, scared the shit out of me. Like, I couldn't sleep. I felt, like, really, like, out of body. I don't even know how to explain it. But anyway, so like it freaks me out. And then one day I just like learned how to like, if I was having a nightmare that I could try to solve your dream. Yeah, I can or try to like. But I thought lucid dreaming was more about like controlling yourself in your dream. Almost like a video well, game. Would, wouldn't that be that though? Yeah, I mean, sometimes people lucid dream because they're dreaming about a lucid dream. That's a funny one. And you but can't really know in, like in the moment week. either. That happens to you, John? I have dreams within dreams within dreams. So it's like, th it's three layers deep. I'm like Leonardo DiCaprio. And when I'm in that second dream, so like I wake up from the first one, I usually wake up in my bedroom, but that that's a dream. And I'll be like, okay. oh man, I just woke up from a dream. No, I have that too. To, can't wait to tell James about this in therapy. And then all of a sudden there's like bats. Oh, wait, you're still in the dream. And I wake up a third time. Yeah. That's freaky. Yeah, I have that too, where I think like, oh, thank God, like, I'm, or I'd be like, oh, this is so real. This is life. And then I'm like, oh, no, I'm still in the dream. And you're just like in and out of dreams. Very strange. 
Yeah, lucid dreams are a weird thing. I don't think we really know how they work because obviously when you're in a dream, you don't really know it's really you. Like you can't recall memories, for example, when you're in a dream normally. You just kind of experience and you just think this is what normal life always is. But the, it, it looks to be that lucid dreams are, well, so you have an ego in waking life. Then when you go into a dream, it's called a dream ego. So it just means that it's been modified in some form. I mean, they're definitely a valid thing. And I technically lucid dream probably three to five times a week, an awful lot, because I get sleep paralysis a hell of a lot, especially I get it the more stressed I am. Like I've sometimes had it like 15, 20 times in one night before, which is basically you, you literally cannot move. Your eyes are glued shut and you know you're like, like dreaming and you know you're awake, but you literally can't move. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's the same thing as just being in a dissociative state, really. It's the same thing with that self-hypnosis exercise. I mentioned that I showed John. You just you, you dissociate heavily from reality, which, which means that you decrease your perception of the outside world and increase your perception to the inside world. This is an interesting thing to consider. Jung himself actually said, uh, Carl Jung, he said that we're probably dreaming all the time. We just don't know it because we're too busy yeah. being bombarded with stimuli from the outside. So it might just be a tuning problem, basically. You tune one frequency in, one out. So like if I can wake myself up or not like wake myself up but like solve my dream is that like me being self-aware in my dream or that that's just like it just happens you mean like uh, interpreting a dream in real time whilst in the dream yeah like if i'm if i'm like in the dream and i'm like i know this is a nightmare i can fix it or i try to go back and fix my dream in my dream yeah then go for it Uh, i mean there's no necessarily prescriptive nature to stuff like this or even a therapeutic nature it's just they're weird things because most of the time you don't experience them but that doesn't mean that they should be thrown aside. It's just, you have an inner world just as much as an outer world. And like when you, you, we consider ourselves normally to just be, you know, eyes in a body walking around. It's not, the psyche is way, 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 way bigger than that. You can imagine every memory you've ever had is stored in your psyche and everything you could possibly be is lying latent within your psyche. So it's just tune in and see what's in there. This is what, you know, active imagination and all these other kinds of techniques to go and talk to things which come out of your unconscious it's all it's all valid it's all completely valid mm-hmm. you should talk about your unwanted pregnancy dreams okay yeah so That's i have this one dream it's not recurring like it's not the same dream or the same sequence it's different dreams but any dream that i have where i'm pregnant i don't want to be pregnant and everybody else around me is like it will be great it'll be great it's gonna be so great and i'm like i don't want to do this and i'm like having a panic attack or like i don't know <laughs> Or like people are telling me it's going to be so great. Everyone's happy around me, but I'm, I don't want it. Like I'm, and I'm scared to tell people that I don't want it. What are you scared to tell people that you don't want to do? I don't know. Well, I mean, pregnancy is, well, pregnancy is something which every woman is programmed for. The vast majority anyway is programmed for at the instinctual level. And so it could be at the surface, you are afraid of getting pregnant, for example. I mean, true. You know, so it could be that, or if you go a level deeper and you extrapolate out, it's like afraid of commitment, afraid of moving forward with your life, afraid of leaving youth behind. What are you currently birthing that you are, that you don't want to birth? That's what I was going to oh, say, true. like a, yeah. almost like a sign of rebirth in some way. If I yeah. could also, um, obviously not to 
put the, the details out, but you've been working on scripts, some screenplays for a TV show, for some, yeah. some films. I have had this recently, but I, I would have these quite a So I, I have certain kinds of dreams, and I had these a lot over the winter, and when I first started with James, and it was when I was like just focusing on my business, and I wasn't writing jokes, I wasn't writing songs, I had something to birth creatively and I wasn't doing it. And then I had certain motifs and dreams over and over and over and over and over. And then I started writing more songs and those dreams have largely gone away. Um, so you, you just started writing a script. So you might've actually been, it might've been related to that. Maybe you're afraid to be creative in a new way or something like that. Yeah. The birth of something new creatively. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where's the anxiety coming like from? That with like, personal projects or things that I have to be doing. I, I'm more hesitant to like jump into new things. So that could be. Well, they, there you go. I'm not ready. I'm anxious. And in which case, why? That's the way into self-development. Where, what is the voice of anxiety, which is telling you that you are not ready to jump into things coming from? Now you're in your window straight into the psyche. Yeah. Then it becomes therapy. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. It, it's probably mom or dad. Cause that's what it is for everyone. It's probably mom or dad saying you're not ready. That's what, I mean, that's really what it is for like 90% of cases usually, right? Yeah, I feel like a lot of things go back to parents, but maybe like deep, deep down. But. And you're also almost done with school too. So oh, okay, there's, yeah. I'm scared <laughs> of growing up and getting out of school. Do I get a job? What's going to happen? Am I going to enter the economy properly? Oh my God, right? Like, I feel like I know the answer to this one, but I always have these dreams. That, this is like another one along with like the pregnancy ones. I always, like ever since I started going to, to college, I always have these dreams where like I have to go, and I think I know the answer to this because like I did switch schools and I've been in school for a really long time. So I think I just want to be done school. But um, I have dreams where I'm like back in high school, like I have to go and I'm like being held back. They're like, oh, you didn't finish a credit. So now you have to stay longer or like rerouting and going back and doing things over again. And I'm Sounds like, like your and worst I hate nightmare. it. It is my worst nightmare. <laughs> yes. In high school, I just don't want to go back to, because I think the thing is, I think it's because I had to be in school longer since I transferred. So I think it's the fear of like being in school longer, but it could be something deeper than that. I don't know. Yeah, or the fear of being held back. Held back, yeah. Yeah, in which case, by who? And yeah. who, who's, whose voice is it? Yeah. Or, or again, is it a specific scene in high school as well? Maybe something could have happened in high school and a lot of your, we'll say, um, creative energy libido could be ducting off towards it autobiographically, for example. So, you know, people do experience things like traumas, even if they're small, and then their energy doesn't really move past that that event say 20% of it 30% of it 80% of it is still ducting off towards that event and they're unconscious of it for whatever reason so there's potential not necessarily in yourself not seeing a, a suggestion of course but you could dream of high school because something bad happened in high school they say well it's always in the same classroom well why what happened in that classroom oh that was where I told that was where I was told I couldn't sing for example and I really wanted to be a singer oh I get it and then the answer is to to go back realize what you lost and pick it up so that you can, you know, all, all that really happens for most people is, is individuation based neuroses. You just go on your path and you get, then you fall off. So you try and just repair it back up again by figuring out what you've lost and any other well, crap sure that you've perfected along the way. Of, like, I'm sure people have a lot of like suppressed trauma or like PTSD that, and I'm sure that like comes through in your dreams. I know I do. <laughs> I have a fear of, um, <laughs> and because of John, I don't even know how I still kept you in my life after this because I clearly have <laughs> trauma, but 
because we had the bed bugs in Chicago and I have not recovered from that. And like I, every once Perfect. in a while, I will have a dream of bugs. The other night, oh my God, I had one and I, would, I had dreamed that there were bites on me and then I'd wake up and I thought it was still real life. And then it was like, the bites were all on me and then I would actually just like keep on waking up. I did that about 20 times. I feel and like I have dreams not about bugs, but I feel like I whenever, bugs all the time. whenever I think about something a lot in real life, I tend to dream about what I was thinking about in real life that day. I'll drink, I'll dream about it at night. And you're probably just the same thing for you. Like you're probably yeah. just thinking a lot about the bugs and then you end up dreaming about the bugs. Yeah. That happens a lot to me, I think. Yeah, and yeah, it, it, it could be. Some, some dreams, I'm, uh, undoubtedly, just going to be general processing dreams. Just yeah. the psyche doing its thing. But, you know, also what are they being used as a symbol for? Could be an interesting thing to consider. Or even that whole linguistic patterning I was mentioning. What's bugging you? Yeah, yeah. Be another thing. <laughs> what's bugging me is bugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well there, there'd be a reason why in that particular moment, unless it was just a general processing thing, why the psyche was like, I'm going to show you bugs now. <laughs> or something could be bugging you about your bed. And by bed, I mean that symbolically. Oh, wink, okay, wink. Okay, that's actually... Oh, that. Okay, no, I was going to say, I actually really need to get new pillows. <laughs> So I haven't been could be that too. Could be, it could also be that too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, you, you can see over all of this stuff, it's, um, dr this is why you can't have a book on it basically. And it's, it's what I say a lot on the YouTube videos on the young to live by channel is, yeah. you know, it, it's a, it's a personal thing and it's a dialectic, but there's dialectic between four people. Really. It's like you, your psyche, the person you're telling and their psyche. And all of that is going to influence the interpretation that's going to come out the other side. So it's complicated. It could be about bed bugs, or it could be 50 other different things we'd have to take into account of what's going on in your life and your own personal myth, your own autobiography and where you, you project yourself going to go. Because it will all become relevant into one big equation. The one myth that I always heard, well, actually two that I've always heard. One being when you die in your dream, that means you die in real life. <laughs> and for the I get murdered twice time, a week. <laughs> for, really? For the longest <laughs> time? die, John? Yeah, like bullet to the head. Oh my gosh. to the heart but at first i believed that myth because for the longest time i would like have dreams of people stabbing me but i would wake up when the knife would like hit my chest and but not actually like go through i know that's graphic but i don't know well, probably made it <laughs> yeah i mean if you, if, you, if you die in your dream you don't die in real life yeah, um, not the matrix. Uh, I mean, you. I mean, it's it, it's it's standard as well. You find it in tarot and all other kinds of things. Uh, generally, death symbolizes a death and then a rebirth. You in a in a generally mentally healthy person or patient, that is usually what it will mean. Something about you needs to die. And this is where a lot of anxiety can also come from. For example, it can be it can come from a symbolic conversion or basically hysteria from the psyche that transduces down into the body. People think that they've got panic disorder. For example, it's a very common thing. You just suddenly get panic attacks. Well, why? And people, they try and manage it their whole lives, but it can oftentimes, and again, I don't do a broad brushstroke, but it can oftentimes be treated by looking at the symbolism. If you're there worrying that you're going to die, well, what needs to die? You know? Yeah. And, and for everybody, things do need to die. You know, we, we, have, we have to shed things off and we have to be reborn and become different people because, you know, you won't be the same person you are when you're five and when you're 50 or else you're going to be a very ugly looking person. So. Yeah, for sure. And the second myth that I always heard was when people who are dead in real life come to you in their dreams, it's almost like a visitation. 
That's well, what a lot of like psychics would say. Yeah, yeah. Who so knows about that? Grain of salt, but like, yeah. I just, feel like. What are your thoughts on that? Like, it seems like you're more like from a scientific perspective, but um, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I in, in terms of the paranormal, the paranormal is definitely a real thing. It is 100% real. Whether or not it means it's literal sentient spirits coming to visit you, it doesn't bother me. But paranormal things do happen. And it, it seems to happen as well in therapy when you work with people in depth. Weird things start happening. I just shared a video on Twitter today, actually. It was on my YouTube channel a while back. Of I, I was saying I was giving a passionate monologue into, into the camera. And then at the moment I finished, the Young to Live By book that's sitting on my shelf fell off and went thump just as I finished. Okay. And it's like, there was no reason why that should have fallen, you know? So, so maybe you're being visited by dead spirits or maybe it's a symbol for something. Yeah. I don't know. I prefer it if it was the former personally, because that's kind of cool. That makes life more interesting. Yeah. yeah. The jury's out. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Okay. So this might be like kind of a simple, I feel like it's a, like, this is like an obvious one, but crying in your dreams. Like if you wake up and you're actually crying, I, I feel like that's just a way of like grieving in your sleep or something or like releasing of emotion but i guess it depends yeah. why you're crying but i often i've woken up where like i'm crying yeah me too sleep. yeah well the a, a lot of this this goes back to, to descartes and i know that john doesn't like descartes very much descartes this, whole idea, a fool. <laughs> this, this whole idea of the mind and the body being separate things it's not true at all the mind and the body <laughs> are just two sides of the same coin <laughs> then if you're experiencing something psychologically say within a dream it more than likely is going to turn up physiologically absolutely it's the yeah. same thing with um with you know the, those the symbolic conversions i was mentioning earlier or, or hysterical reactions what freud and breuer noticed in the 1890s like patients would come to him for example with like paralyzed arms and paralyzed legs or their like hearts were hurting without anything biologically wrong and it's just well they're two sides of the same coin whatever is activating the neural circuit in the brain associated with say love was also activating your actual cardiac muscle or the area around the cardiac muscle so they are just reflections of each other so if you're crying in a dream it's just it was an emotional dream is what i'd say yeah, yeah well i don't remember all of them but i just the, the dream i was crying in was like it was like after my grandfather died and then i had a dream that my dad died and then my mom died too and my grandma so there were like three people dead and i was at their funeral so like i'm yeah. like yeah that makes sense that i would cry to that i think i would be kind of yeah, like why aren't i crying to that about it. Yeah. yeah yeah you know you'd have trouble if you woke up laughing <laughs> <laughs> you're dark <laughs> the psyche wants you to be yourself it really does and a, a death of a parent is a horrible thing to have happen but it's also many ways a necessary thing to have happen for you to develop. So it gets you out of, for example, it automatically cuts off an infantile state, always. So you can have a man-child whose mum dies when they're no longer a man-child because they can't be. They, mm. they can carry that introject forward into their relationships, but they, they, the actual stimulus is completely and utterly gone. So if you've lost someone who's so significant to you, like a grandfather, what the dream could be suggesting is use this as a springboard to cut it all off and be yourself, not break from them externally, but break from them internally, symbolically. Say, okay, everything I wanted to prove to my dad, all the nonsense that my mom gave me, etc. cut it off. It's like the, the family is dead. In other words, you're off on your own hero's journey now by yourself. So one thing that if I could... Uh, uh, Tommy forgot you were there. Yeah, hi, how are you? <laughs> Circle back to something that James said earlier about things in your psyche manifesting in your body. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess maybe 
bioenergetically, for lack of a better word. That's one of my favorite words, bioenergetically. But um, James, I don't know if you want to share anything about your experience with this or um, about maybe a patient without naming names, but I know that you had a certain life circumstance that was holding you back that you didn't enjoy, and it began manifesting in, as you said, in your eyes. You mentioned that earlier in your arms and physically uh, obviously, it was in your dreams, and then it was physically affecting you. So, can you maybe talk a little bit more about some of that, either generally or with your experience? Yeah, sure. It's um, it's actually quite a common thing, actually. For for uh, I've not had that many patients so far, like probably like fifteen, twenty, something like that. But it's uh, it's quite common for someone to leave a therapy session, especially if it's related to the mother. I've noticed in particular, but I don't have enough data to make a definitive statement on that. To immediately start having hysterical reactions to stuff. So there, there was one particular guy, and also paranormal stuff as well on, on that note. Uh, there was one particular guy as well who, after a call with myself about his own mother, his bracelet broke off, which his mother gave him spontaneously. And there was another guy who's, whose heart began to hurt badly immediately after a call. And it was because, well, he had a heavy heart about, about his own mother. And, and I've, I've also had heavy heart regarding certain things too. But I, I, um, my, my sight was dissociated for about six months. And all this really meant was I was seeing visual snow everywhere. So there was kind of like a static on it. I didn't know the nomenclature at the time. There was static and then it was kind of blurry and I felt disorientated. And I walked around like this for six months. I was like, well, what the hell is this all about? And I solved it through going into my own personal myth, which is this idea of, uh, it's Plato's idea of anamnesis or knowledge is remembering, which is you heal yourself by connecting yourself to who you are. So I had lost something in my past and I wasn't seeing clearly that was the metaphor that was the main riddle and the main core of said riddle was the movie tangled where there's a scene in tangled where there's a flynn rider and there's rapunzel and they're seeing to each other at last i see the light it's like the fog has lifted and this was a song which my ex-girlfriend and my best friend so my, my best friend stole my ex-girlfriend and they would sing this to each other all the time right in front of me and so the riddle was I had to go back, see her for who she really was, see him for who he really was, and myself, rather than defining my own life in relation to these two characters. And then I, I remember I was uh, sussing all this stuff out, and I went outside, looked up at the clouds, and I said, it just came to me. It was like, at last I see the light. It's like the fog has lifted. Boom, sight came back. Mm, so it was, it was a psychological riddle, basically. Beautiful. <laughs> It's, it's, it was nice at the end, I'd say it was nice, but going through it, not it not good. so much, you know. But this is why I was obsessed for a long time with Dante's Inferno, the the old the old classic, because you know why was I drawn to this story? Well, it's basically the story of a breakup. It's like all the, all the main characters. It's like one of the most popular books in Western history. It's like, well, why? Like, well, because he was trying to figure out what this girl that he loved so much had within her. That, that he, he needed to resolve for himself in order to become happy again. And there's even a character in that called St. Lucy, who's the patron saint of eyesight. Why he put this character in the story, I don't know. No one knows. No one's even heard of her. But obviously, Dante was on the same track as myself. We were resonating with, with each other with the same problem about sight and not seeing things clearly. So yeah, these, these things, they're, they're psychological and they're biological at the same time. And if you, if you engage the psyche in you and you go in respectfully, weird things will start to happen but weird things become beautiful things after a while so it's quite nice i, I would just I think it would be so cool to like it. do a therapy session though like i've never done yeah. i've never done therapy i've always like been interested in it i've never felt like there was an obvious thing that i'm like oh i should go, i need to go to therapy kind of you know what i mean but i think it's good for everybody to do 
Like yeah, well, it it is uh, as I was saying near the beginning. I think about it's the same as self development that people will engage in therapy, which is self development because they're suffering. But most of the time, you know, the best possible tools for self development and making yourself happy are clinical ones. That's what they're there for. You know, but if you go into a therapy session, if you go to say, for example, a cognitive behavioral therapist, they're the most common ones around they're not very good and their success rate is only so high because what they do is they get people to cry and talk about their feelings and then they yeah. get a burst of oxytocin and go oh, I'm, I'm happy now and then they don't check in with them afterwards so it's like well, yeah, I've, I've been to therapy yeah. and it is that exactly like I've been to a few different therapists and it's literally like you go in and they just kind of get you to talk and you just let out emotions like you said and you just kind of and they just kind of like coach you through and be like, well, why did you say that? Or why do you feel that way? Yeah, no. And I feel like this is more effective, the dream therapy, because it's almost like tapping into what you're not realizing in reality. And it's making you more self-aware. We're like, just regular therapy almost just yeah. like it's somebody else like brings it out of you yeah where like really i feel so like steep. it sounds like dream therapy like what you're doing is drawing on that person's dreams and being like okay well like look what you're just like guiding them essentially where like i feel like a therapist can be like more introductory into like what's going on in your life and yeah. i don't know i've known people who have really struggled with like finding different therapists and have gone through a lot of different therapists because they're just not doing anything or like they just listen and yeah. well it's just it's not like, as personal where i feel like the dream therapy is more personal because it's all about like you what you're literally thinking whether you're conscious or unconscious yeah yeah it's, it's a sad thing mm. um you know I've, I've, I've had a couple friends now actually who've as you say jump from therapist to therapist for years they're in their mid-20s or whatever and then they they, had, they do you know a little bit of time with myself say two three four hours and they're leagues better than they have been. And that's not because I'm a brilliant therapist and I know what I'm doing. All it is is saying like everyone else has no idea what they're doing. And by everyone else, I mean yeah. the establishment of psychotherapy. It's all profit-based and, and yeah. everything else. If you go into, you know, dream therapy, or, you know, it's, it's one tool in the toolkit of the good therapist. You know, there's hypnotherapy is the absolute strongest one you could ever possibly do. If you can master hypnotherapy, then you're a master therapist, bar none. It's just so, so, so powerful. But like, you also got to watch the person and you've got to watch the person to see, okay, is that them speaking or is it a complex speaking? And the complex oftentimes, for example, will try and bounce things off of the therapist in order to get you to confirm them. So they go, oh, okay, I actually do believe that. When it's not, it's just a thought and an idea that's come from somewhere or someone in your past that's still alive. And it's, di and it's dictating where you're going. It's not like a whole personality, but it does have its own sentience of sorts and it wants to be alive and it will get you to do things and it will try it on with the therapist. And I've, and I've, I've seen it before and I've dealt with it before where it's like in the trenches with the complex where it's like sitting between the patient and myself and we're warring to try and get it. And then we catch it and it's like, well, good. Way, way, way better than a standard CBT thing because the, re the results are long lasting. And they say, like, why would you do it for profit? Or why would you do it to make yourself feel good? Like the ultimate end point is making the other person not suffer because you don't want them to suffer. And you've got to have a calling for that at the end of the day, or else it's, you're not just you're not going to put your heart into it, you know. And there's clearly something that's benefiting from it. Like I, I just from like John talking about it, like it's clearly working. I've even noticed like John is just. John seems different, like in a good way, in a good way, like a really like healthy way. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we've gone through, we figured out some of the courses, you know, why John was maladapted and weird in certain areas and whatever else and figure out where they came from. 
and then clear, clear them away. So yeah, you are a different person when you go in and when you go out, if you do a successful job and if you do an unsuccessful job. So you've got to make sure you do a good job. Yeah. The way I like to kind of liken it to is like the standard come in and talk about your feelings for, uh, for an hour every two weeks or something like that. Then you'll cry or you'll, you'll yell and you'll get it out of your system. And you'll be good for a day or two and then nothing in your life actually changes. So you, you're sad again or you're pissed off again. It's similar to like if you have chronic back pain and you take pills, like pain pills for it. It's like, yeah, great. You made the pain go away for a little bit. But are you fixing why you had the pain in the first place? Are you fixing like maybe you have something in your sciatic nerve? Maybe you're sitting all the time, whatever it is, right? Are you fixing that problem to get rid of your need of the pain? Or are you just getting your fix whenever you need it? And when it's that way, it's like, well, that's really convenient for the person giving you the pill or giving you the talk therapy because they get to keep making money off of you for a while, whether or not that ends up being addictive for you or not. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well stated. Absolutely. This is so interesting. Yeah. Thank this you. has been so amazing. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. My and pleasure. So if people want to find you, where can they look for you? Best place is to type into YouTube, Jung, so J-U-N-G, to live by. And we should come up straight away. It's a channel. The, 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 the logo is green, red, and blue. And it's just got these three Greek letters on it. Uh, that's usually the best way. You probably Google us as well, to be fair. If you find an English lad with a voice like this, you know you're in the right place. Yeah, I, 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 I wish I could give a proper YouTube. I think it's youtube.com slash James P. Dowling, but normally that doesn't come up. So that's just, that's well, the best we can do. Put it on our page so people can find it. And yeah, it's been so great talking to you and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Brilliant. I've enjoyed it, ladies, and I've enjoyed it, other lady, i.e. John. To stay updated with us, follow our Instagram at tongueandcheek.podcast.